This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Did I hear that right? Showers and six on Thursday. What's going on? We want a white Christmas. Man, oh man. Already in December, we had a cold snap in November. That didn't stick around, mercifully, but uh, we're about braced for it right now. As a matter of fact, in my neighborhood, one of the local parks, the firefighters every year put up the rink boards. And, you know, in anticipation that there'll be cold enough weather so that they can actually lay down a sheet of ice for the kids to play hockey. That's a rite of passage. It's a ritual. I mean, that's as definitive as anything Canadian that you would find. And uh, I just keep my fingers crossed because some years <laughs> they might get one afternoon of actually skating on that thing. And uh, then it melts and uh, they try to maintain it. But that's uh, Mother Nature. Hey, by the way, there's a great story out of Ottawa where a, a couple that have built uh, a skating rink for their kids for five years now, they wanted to get an early start. So uh, what they did was they put boards around it. Now, the problem is it's in the front yard and part of it's on city property. And so a neighbor who saw this decided to complain. And the bylaw enforcement people came by and said, you got to take the boards down. And uh, failure to comply, I guess we know what that leads to. But they have received so much support coast to coast to coast uh, from people who are, again, in agreement that this is a rite of passage. It's ritualistic. It's necessary to, especially they've got three daughters, nine, eight, and four. And this is where dad and mom teach them to skate and enjoy hockey. They all do. Uh, Which is a topic worthy of discussion, by the way. Because it's on city property and there are bylaws, if you don't enforce for one, does it open a Pandora's box? This is one of the great conundrums facing the folks up in Ottawa. I think it's worth noting that when you you think of uh, boards that are an eyesore, these boards are like a foot tall. Right. But a neighbor complained. On city property. Again, these are the issues. <laughs> it's not the most serious or dire uh, matter that's being addressed in the nation's capital, but uh, we have enough of those that we've got Andrew Shear joining us, the leader of the official opposition, and perhaps he can help us unpack some of the questions that confront us in this case on a daily basis. Mr. Shear, good to have you back on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. Always fun to be on. Well, I'm going to start with uh, something that's uh, perhaps a little more significant than just, uh, you know, a front yard rink in the nation's capital. But uh, the Liberals announcing $1.6 billion to the oil and gas industry. What do you make of that? Well, uh, the people of Alberta, the people who have been hit hard by this downturn, they're not looking at uh, government bailouts. They're not looking for uh, checks coming from Ottawa. They they want to go back to work. They, they, they want a government that allows for the private sector to build pipelines to get our resources to market. Nothing that was announced today actually tackles the problem of the fact that uh, this Liberal government, Justin Trudeau, has killed every single major pipeline project that has been uh, that has been proposed. So, all right, uh, let me just pursue it a little more fully. Is this a cynical ploy? It's an election year. Are they trying to ameliorate the situation with Alberta, a deathbed conversion, if you will? How do you assess this? Yeah, I, I think it's a typical liberal answer. You know, it's it's uh, throw money at a problem and show people you care. Uh, well, people know that Justin Trudeau doesn't actually care. They, they know that his plan is to phase out Canada's energy sector. We know that because he says it. Justin Trudeau goes around the world to uh, chat with his international celebrity friends, and he and he bemoans the fact. He, he He's upset. He's frustrated that he can't phase out the energy sector sooner. And then we see his policies that uh, lead to the cancellation of two major pipelines and a third that is in limbo. And uh, his answer to make the people of Alberta feel, uh, you know, that, that, that he's still uh, concerned about them is just 
throw money at the problem. But this money is a fraction of what has left the energy sector in Canada over, you know, tens of billions of dollars, over $100 billion worth of investment have been cancelled. Uh, there isn't enough money in the Treasury uh, to compensate for what his policies have done uh, to the economy, and not just of Western Canada. And more and more people in Ontario uh, recognize the fact that jobs in Ontario are being lost because of this downturn in the energy sector. They want a Prime Minister that has a vision for this country, that can get big things built, and right now they know that Justin Trudeau just can't get it done. Well, how do we square this circle? Because we know that Doug Ford, the premier here, has uh, cancelled cap and trade and is going to court to fight any carbon tax that would be imposed come January 1, just a a couple of weeks away. And yet uh, earlier this week, we heard that there were... uh, it was almost a broad consensus on this Paris Climate Accord living up to the precepts of that in, from 2015. Uh, how would we go about doing that? Is that an achievable? Uh, I know that Doug Ford has mentioned we're almost there. We've got 8% more to go to meet the uh, 2030 requirement of uh, being 30% below 2005 emissions. But how do we square that circle? Are we going to live up to the precepts of uh, the Paris Climate Accord? And I think we need to recognize a couple of things. First of all, the, the plan that the Liberals have put forward won't get us there. It's not an environmental plan. The carbon tax won't reduce emissions. It'll just make things more expensive. They've given a huge exemption to large industrial emitters. Uh, and so the full cost of the carbon tax is falling to commuters and families that will have higher costs. Uh, we can get there if we have a government that recognizes that Canada can do more to reduce global emissions by making sure that things get built here in Canada, get produced here in Canada. We can make things in Canada at far fewer with far fewer emissions thanks to our cleaner technology, our higher standards. We can make aluminum in this country with a fraction of the emissions uh, compared to, say, China. So there's no benefit to our economy here. There's no benefit to the world's environment if we just displace Canadian emissions to other countries, the jobs go with them, and we actually end up with more. So part of the Conservative plan will be absolutely yes, uh, bringing in measures that reduce emissions here at home in an absolute sense, but also taking credit for the fact that we can do things here much cleaner, much more efficiently, and we're not better off as a planet to see factories shut down here, popping up in, in other countries that have uh, you know coal-powered electricity, that don't have the same labor standards, don't have the same environmental standards. That's going to be a big part of our plan as well. So, all right, would a sheer government then, if I'm reading you right, uh, repatriate some of these jobs? lost offshore? Uh, it, we're better off as a planet if we make things in Canada in a much more efficient way. So, uh, yeah, you know, having a system that entices people, uh, investors, companies, to, to come back to Canada, give them a reason to come back to Canada. Let's make a unit of aluminum here in Canada uh, with one ton worth of emissions versus that same ton of aluminum being produced in China with 14 tons of CO2. We'd be better off at a, as a planet, as, as everyone on this earth, if we had more production in certain key sectors in certain areas where we have uh, cleaner hydroelectricity, where we have higher environmental standards for emissions, and not just into the atmosphere. We need to talk a lot about what Canada can do to improve the quality of our lakes and our rivers. We know that other countries around the world have nowhere near the same environmental standards. So we need to take credit for the great work that has been done over the past 20 or 30 years on these key files and have that be factored into the equation as well. 
All right, with Andrew Shear, again, leader of the official opposition, uh, talking about jobs and uh, where, you know, building things in Canada has uh, come under scrutiny again. It's this uh, light armored vehicle deal, uh, you know, with General Dynamics out of uh, London. Uh, $15 billion, I guess $13 billion, it's been ballparked in that neighborhood with Saudi Arabia. Now, Justin Trudeau seems to be vacillating on the file. At first, he said, you know, it would be too onerous to try to break that deal in the interest of upholding human rights, and certainly these were crystallized with the killing of Jamal Khashoggi there at the embassy in Turkey. But uh, how would an Andrew Scheer go about uh, addressing this file? Would you see the contracts cancelled, uh, or do you think that this is something that still has merit to retain uh, and go about it in a different way, addressing these uh, things against the Saudi regime? Right. Uh, well, absolutely, we need to send a clear message to the Saudi regime. We we need to stand up for human rights. Uh, what happened to uh, that journalist uh, in Turkey was reprehensible and, I think, disgusted uh, the, the world, really. And we know that the regime in Saudi Arabia has a terrible record when it comes to human rights and respecting women and and, and, and different types of minorities. Uh, I, I have not yet uh, heard an explanation as to how cancelling a, a contract, how, uh, you know, uh, losing uh, hundreds of jobs here in Canada somehow punishes Saudi Arabia. Uh, my preferred course of action would be to send a message uh, by uh, by stopping the importation of Saudi oil. That's something that sends millions of dollars a year to the Saudi regime. It props up that regime. For buying oil that comes out of Saudi Arabia doesn't do anything for uh, promoting human rights. That is a much more effective uh, uh, measure to, to send that message. Uh, Cancelling a contract, canceling a contract that sells things to Saudi Arabia, uh, to me, is not as effective as uh, getting off a of foreign oil where we can get to the point where we're not buying things from them. Uh, that's, I believe, a much more effective response. That's something that's, that uh, Andrew Scheer government would work towards. Just as an aside, uh, it was announced earlier today there's a ceasefire, I guess, in that war, uh, the civil war that's uh, implicit. Uh, Saudi Arabia's uh, implicit in that war, or complicit, I guess is the word. Uh, and that's uh, been announced earlier today. So I don't know if that's because of international pressures or what have you. But I wanted to ask you about something else, an international story. And it had to do with the signing of the Compact on Global Migration, which Justin Trudeau, again, believes that uh, the conservatives are sowing uh, seeds of... Uh, well, fear-mongering and spreading falsehoods when it comes to immigration. How do you respond? Well, I actually think it's very dangerous for Justin Trudeau to brush aside the legitimate concerns that the vast majority of Canadians have when it comes to this particular compact. We have to keep in mind that this is being that this was signed with the backdrop of a Liberal government that has no control over our borders, that has allowed uh, over 40, 000, almost 40,000 people cross illegally uh, into Canada. And now he's signing on to a, combat, a compact that, obtain, that, that includes many, many different uh, sections covering a whole host uh, of issues. And, and, and Canadians are right, rightly uh, concerned about his ability uh, to manage the immigration file. The people who have concerns about policies being set at the United Nations are, are legitimately concerned. And, and to, to very dismissively and, and in a very insulting manner accuse all those Canadians of, uh, of, of somehow you know, fear-mongering creates a backlash. And he has to be very careful on this because there are hundreds of thousands of Canadians, the majority of Canadians, that are in favor of immigration, that want Canada to continue to be the type of place where people can come to from around the world to be safe, to have freedom, to have a, a great quality of life. But they want that done in a way where Canada gets to set our own policies and where we have controls over our border. And to dismiss the legitimate concerns in this manner is very insulting to those uh, those individuals. And that creates the 
type of polarization that we've seen in other countries. We've engaged in this conversation in a very respectful way, pointing out very calmly that we have concerns about the way that these international treaties have influence on Canadian decisions. We've pointed out that previous court decisions have referenced international agreements, even though they say they're non-binding. We have concerns about sections of the uh, compact that speak to sensitizing the media, supporting uh, certain types of reporting, uh, and, and, and we don't believe that's a role for the government. Justin Trudeau is out there saying that people who have concerns about immigration need to be uh, put under surveillance. I mean, this is the, the type of uh, fear-mongering and polarization that leads to a very divided uh, country. We believe that by promoting lawful immigration, restoring the integrity of our borders, we can continue to have Canadians to have confidence in their immigration system, uh, unlike what Justin Trudeau is allowing to happen. All right. Uh, Mr. Shear, you talk about the policies set at the United Nations. A lot of people would say, well, you know, this is uh, a move towards globalism. And yet, you know, Justin Trudeau has criticized populism. Uh, He says it's irresponsible, uh, drumming up anxiety around immigration. You talked about the polarization that's happening in other countries, and we've certainly seen where uh, populism has reared its head for better or for worse. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Would you consider yourself a populist in any sense? Well, I, I think these are terms that kind of mean different things at different times. Uh, there is always the risk of a reaction when government officials, uh, when you know, prime ministers or presidents around the world, uh, lose touch with the concerns of, 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 of voters. And anytime you have uh, a government that is implementing an ideological agenda without listening to the concerns of people, uh, you risk having that backlash. There can be a populist movements from the left, from the right. It's usually a sign of a government that has uh, become completely disconnected from the electorate. And that's what I see happening here, where you have a prime minister that takes legitimate critiques. It, 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 is, a, it is a legitimate position to say that you believe that the, that Canada should have absolute control over our immigration system. That is not something that that. that should be demonized. But when you have a sitting prime minister like Justin Trudeau has done, launch these types of personal attacks and, and, and dismiss, dismisses these concerns with a big, broad brush, I believe that's what actually leads to uh, the backlash. So we're going to continue to have these conversations in a respectful way, laying out the case without without uh, torquing up our concerns. I hope that Justin Trudeau can respond. He has yet to respond to the the actual substance of our arguments. He just has engaged in this type of fear-mongering and this polarization. And that, to me, is a sign of someone who's lost the argument. All right. Well, we'll continue our conversations, I'm sure, down the road as well. I appreciate your time very much this afternoon. Thank you very much, John. Always a pleasure to chat. You got it. Andrew Shear, leader of the official opposition. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.